Are you ready to get real? Welcome to Real Estate, the world's loneliest career, where you're always out of balance, unfulfilled, the role models are fake, the numbers unattainable, and you're just supposed to be and do it all. Join three self-made millionaire real estate agents, wives, moms, and business owners as we level up, learn from special guests, and elevate and disrupt an entire industry through real education our way. Hi, everybody. We're the Homegirls, and we are here today with John Clitty, and we are so excited. He is a mega agent and a wealth builder and the author of Leaving Six Figures, which is a really powerful book. And he's also the regional director for Keller Williams in the greater Pennsylvania region. And he's what's called a divisional leader, which means that he manages six regions. So he's the regional of the regionals, basically, (laughs) with Keller Williams. Thank you so much for joining us, John. We're really excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us about, I have read your book, so I know your story, but your story is really powerful. So if you would just tell everybody that's listening about how you got into real estate, that would be amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of came a little bit of a different route. I was in the Jersey State Trooper for 17 years. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows, but when you're a trooper, you, you actually, some, you know, when you have shift work, there's some downtime. So I, I was kind of like, I don't want to say bored, but I was like, you know, I, I could do something with this time. So I, I, um, I always liked real estate and kind of, uh, when I purchased my home, I felt like I didn't get the right information from my realtor. So I went back to kind of get that, that information, that education. And after that, I, I said, you know, this is pretty cool. And I remember going to my real estate broker when I got my license uh, this is like 1999 and I seen all this money on the table and I'm like wow where's that from like you know like usually it's a drug deal like for my police days but uh in this case he said yeah you know I, I own a bunch of properties and I was like that's cool you know I can get all that kind of money from doing that so that kind of led me to uh being more of an, a, a realtor for investing but but uh th- that kind of spurred me from like uh, seeing that real estate was something that I really enjoyed. And, and I think what happened over the years, I kind of had the state police and the real estate thing kind of going along the, the same road. And eventually I, I started to really like driving down the real estate road more than the state police road is kind of what happened for me. And, you know, if you, if you read the book, there was all kinds of parallels and journeys and things that led to that. But eventually, you know, Gary Keller wrote this book called One Thing. Um, for a reason, probably, because you, you know, um, I was focused in so many different areas and, and they talk about the, the rubber balls and that glass ball is called family and marriage and kids and that ball you can't drop. And I, I think with all my roles, I was dropping balls. So I, I, I had to make a decision in my life, you know, do I want to drop balls or do I want to kind of do the things that I love to do when I want to do them and how I want to do them. And that, that, that kind of led to me to, to the journey to leave. And then I kind of wrote the book because it, it did take me a long time to leave. And it also was anguish and stressful and all those things. So uh, if I could help someone 
maybe speed it up or at least have ways to kind of maybe think about, you know, maybe be a little bit more strategic than I was. So you can have the information in front of you with a plan and all that stuff. So that I kind of wrote the book to help people that really had my journey. And, you know, it's like the, the five minute, the four minute mile, you know, before I left, I, I don't, I couldn't find anybody since 1921 that left three years shy of a pension. But since then, I've heard a lot of young guys. I don't think anybody with three years left, but I've heard some like 10 years and 12 years and those kind of things um, that have occurred since then, which, you know, uh, you know, I, I was like talked about when I left, like, you know, that's the guy that left the state police for your shy of a pension for life. <laughs> I bet. It's funny. We always say like, there's people that come on the podcast at like perfect times. Like you're speaking to my life right now. My husband just left his super secure job at the railroad with a, you know, insane insurance benefits and pension. And, um, I've been living, Lindsay and I talked about this last night, like in a perpetual state of fear right now, knowing that we've left this cush life and, and the safety net. And so I'm going to go buy your book today. <laughs> yeah. You know, my advice to you is, um, the one thing that I always tell folks is that, I mean, if you, you know, your financials, right. And if you can't leave, you can't leave, but you can plan, you can be strategic. Um, you can be purposeful. Um, and then eventually you're going to plan to leave. Right. And, and I always tell people, you know, set a date. And I, I don't even think I talked about it in the book that, you know, when I rewrite the second part of it, you know, the, the other part is really get a date. And I just had this conversation, um, Jessica, with a, with a, a guy that's a um, probation officer. And, you know, he's like, I got to leave. I'm ready to leave. You know, it's 12 years or whatever. I, I think he said 15 or something. He had, it's been a nice amount of years. And he's like, I, I want to leave. And I don't know when I'm leave. And I was like, well, the first thing is I said, uh, why don't you set a date? And I just asked him a question. I said, when do you think you can leave? And he was like, 12, 31, 2022. There you go. All right. We got a date. Great. Okay. So how much money do you need to have? Right. And then it's like, okay, uh, cost me $5,000 a month to live, you know, vacation, whatever. So that there's a number, right? So now he knows what he needs to do and what, how much he needs to save and what's the reserves. So, you know, all that stuff starts to play out and then, okay, well, what are you going to do when you leave? <laughs> like, what's the plan? Like what, you know, what's going to, to supplement that money. So as you start, you know, writing in your planner, like, okay, I got this. Okay, here we go. Whatever. That's why in my book, I left like note taking sections so people could just start to plan out whatever that is. And, and then, you know, you can get real fun now. It's like, well, why do you want to do it? Is it deep enough inside? Like, is it something you really want to do? <clears throat> because if you really don't want to do it, <clears throat> you're not going to do it. You're not going to succeed. Um, so once you figure all that out, you could start to see where it does make sense. And then you're like, you know what? I can leave. <clears throat> I could see now I can leave. How do you... Okay, so in that space, when you were leaving and you're giving up your pension three years before it's in your life forever, you're married at that point. And did you have kiddos yet? Yeah, so I have a 15, a 13, and twins that are 11. So <clears throat> yeah, they've been here for the journey. So how do you deal with, like, and you, were, you had fear about that, I'm sure, right? There's a chapter, fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you deal with 
that because I think that so many people right now um, after COVID have reprioritized their lives and, and maybe it's not they're leaving a secure job. Maybe it's they want to change their business or do other things and they're really deeply afraid of doing that. And then they also have, because we're women on our show, we talk a lot about like the emotional stuff. So you have the, the noise, right, wrong, or otherwise of the family, maybe the husband or the wife or the business partners or whoever going, oh my God, what? You want to, you know, blow up our whole life? Like, how do you manage the deep fear that you have and all of that noise around you and make a leap when you know that it's right? <clears throat> well, I think it's all in segments, right? I think you said two, a couple segments. The one segment is is your significant other. I, I, I think it's really hard to do if you don't have buy-in. Um, yeah. Maybe impossible. <clears throat> because if you don't have buy-in, um, you know, you're going to be arguing every day. <laughs> How dare you leave this job? You know, so I think you need to have buy-in. So you definitely need to have a vision that you could spell out like anything in life honey, this is why I'm doing it. And, you know, part of mine, I think I talk about in the book, you know, when I decided before I was even, I got chosen to kind of run, be involved in the region. I sat with my wife and I said, there's this opportunity to be a regional director. And she was like, well, you're a full-time state trooper. What do you you mean? I was like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what do you think about me leaving? I have some kind of itch in my throat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, she was first said, like, you kind of see her face and she was like, you know what, all your life, you've really done things you say you're going to do. And if you really believe in it and you think this is the right thing for us, I trust you. So um, <clears throat> I think part of it is, you know, being able to believe it in yourself first, then making sure you can convince like, you know, any business owner, right? You know, what's the vision? And then the fear part, I guess, is a better thing for you. Um, If you think about it, Lindsay, you're a a realtor, right? Mm -hmm. So if I told, which which community, I mean, you don't have to say, just name a community in Colorado that you know really well. Mm, Regency, that's where I live. All right, so Regencies. If I asked you right now for a particular model, you would pretty much know how much it costs, what it would sell for, what you need, right? Yep. So there's very little fear in you listing that house. Why? Why is that? Because I'm confident and I know all the information that I need to know to do it correctly. Same reason yes. why, that's the same reason why I was able to do it because I was confident in how much money I had. I knew my reserves. I knew the money that was coming in from what I was doing as a realtor. I knew my investment money from me being an investor. So everything lined up. And then, you know, for you, it's comps. For me, it's mentors and coaches. Hey, this is what I, my plan, does that make sense? And then they look at it and they're like, makes sense, right? Or it doesn't make sense. So I I think that if you plan right and you have mentors and coaches and people around you that that make you feel um yes or no that this is a good decision like anything in life and then you got your, your buy-in and then the, the fear is gone because you understand what you're getting into and what you're doing i mean you're just checking off lists like that's check 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 and then eventually it's like okay 
Nate, when am I leaving? <clears throat> and that's kind of what happened to me. And it's, it's ironic. It's, it's funny because when I went to my, uh, at the time we had lieutenants, I was a sergeant and I go in his office. Uh, it was a Friday because, you know, Friday is when you do all this stuff, right? Yeah, you're uh, supposed to quit or ask for a raise on a Friday, always, yes. And, and, I, and I did it first thing in the morning, I remember, because I, I was like, I knew like driving there, it was like two hour drive to work. And I was like, oh my God, this is the day. Like, you know, oh my God. I never even said this to anybody. And I remember driving and then I went to, I forgot, his name was Joe, Lieutenant, Joe, I forgot even his name to be honest with you, it's crazy. But I went in and said, hey, um, got a second? And he's like, yeah, and I, I, I shut the door. I was like, I just wanna let you know that um, I'm leaving. And he's like, what do you mean you're leaving? I was like, I'm leaving the state police. He's like, how much time you got on? 17 years. And you're leaving? No, you're not. Oh, uh, yes, I am. No, you're not. I said, oh yeah, I'm leaving. And then he's trying to like coach me. He was like, <clears throat> well, you really think about this with your family and everything. And I said, Joe, I've prayed on this. I've talked about it. I've, I've mesmerized on it. I've done it all. I'm, I'm leaving. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know with this. And he's like, do me a favor, take the weekend, you know, what they all take the weekend, really make sure this is what you want to do. And come back. I, and I, he, he was so persistent. I was like, you know what? <clears throat> it's fine. And I never even had a doubt. I, I was just more pissed off that I had to wait to even start the process. And then I go in Monday and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going. And then he was like, all right, we're well, going to have to go to, to Trenton, you know, to, to the headquarters and go meet them. So I went there and, and then they were like, I don't know what to do with you. Like, they were like, we never had someone leave. So they were like, they didn't know about my pension and what do you get? What don't you get? What do you do with your gun? Like, cause you're resigning. It was like a, they didn't even know what to do. I'm laughing. Cause this is like my husband's life right now, right? Like going through all the process and everyone going, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're going to take this leap of faith. And he's like, yeah, why wouldn't we? Like we're in a great place in our life and we've been planning for it and we're excited and I'm done. Same thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a good feeling. You feel, you know, the, the day I left, it was sad just because, <clears throat> you know, I did 17 years. I've been shot at and people try to stab me and got hit by a drunk driver, all the stuff you can think of. Right. And then I leave and it's like, all right, hand your stuff in. And it's like, I'm like, anything else? They're like, no, see you later. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like walking out like on my shoulders and I'm like, like, okay, like this is it, you know? And then I drop my gun off and it's like, they, they take you in your car, they drop you off at your house. They take your state police car and that's, that's a wrap, you know? It's so, a huge part of your identity that you gave up too. That, like, that's a whole other part of that, right? Like, am I okay financially? Do I have buy-in from the people that I need to have buy-in from in my life? Who the hell am I now that I'm not who I've been for the last 17 years, right? Yeah, it's, it's weird. And, and like I said, I, I don't know what I expected when I left, but it, it felt like, damn, like this sucks. Like it sucked that I would hate to see someone else that stayed 20 years or 25 years. And I hope that they I, I would think they do a little bit better job for people to actually stay when they leave when they're supposed to. But the way they made me feel, I, I would hate someone else to go through that because I didn't feel good. Definitely didn't feel good. Yeah, I bet they thought you were crazy. Oh, people said he'll be back because <clears throat> you had, I think you have a year to come back. So, you know, people will be back, you know. 
uh, it'll be, wait, no, it's already, it's so I, I left May 1st, 2014. Wow. Congratulations. That's very exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny though, like it's, we all come from different perspectives. It's been interesting listening to Jess with her husband leaving his job. I've only ever been in real estate. I started at 17 and that's all I've ever done. And um, I've always been the primary breadwinner for my household. And I've always had, like we, her and I have been having a lot of conversations about the fear never really goes away. And like, to me, it's comfortable to think about that, that it stays regardless of your level of success, because in this job, you do wake up unemployed every day and you have to go out and hunt for your next paycheck again. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's interesting to listen to people that left something to come into the business. They have fear. I've never known anything else and I still have fear. So I think it's that whole, like, just feel the fear and do it anyways thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think fear is when you're not prepared and you don't, you haven't done your homework and you haven't, you know, um, or you're just that kind of person, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm, a risk, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a risk taker by trade. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I, I can gamble, I can, you know, all that stuff. Um, I, I do things that some people be like, Oh my God, I wouldn't do that. You know, like, um, I, I'm, I'm somewhat a risk taker. Cause listen, you think about it. I mean, you know, three, like I talked to a lot of guys are like, dude, three years, like you could do that with your, your eyes closed and, and you would be getting $70,000 a year for the rest of your life. And I'm like, <clears throat> yes. And I'd be, ha I'd be unhappy for three years. And who says that I'm promised three more years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I just turned 50. So I'm kind of like in this whole like mental, like, damn, like half of the game's gone, assuming I'm going to be here for another hundred, you know, 50. Right. But, um, makes you think you know like every every day is precious every every hour really if you think about it like you know what you do uh with your time and who you spend it with so you know i don't know about you guys i don't want to spend one one minute doing something i don't love not not three years it's a long time yeah. long long time to not be happy right but there's a lot of people that never make that move yeah uh, well, you know, um, people do it in their marriages, mm -hmm. right? They do it in jobs. They do it in sports. You know, uh, you know, my, you know, I could tell you, I, I got a couple of kids that, you know, my son, I definitely don't think he wanted to play football. I think he did it for me, you know, but he, he was, I'm sure he was miserable every day. He went to practice, you know, because he's doing it for someone else and not for himself, you know, and that who wants to be like that? And I, uh, you know, now that I know, I'm like, don't do any, I don't want to drive you back and forth. Don't do it for me. You know, if you don't want to go, don't go. And I, I think, you know, you know, as we get adults, we forget that. But I mean, you don't want to do something in life. You don't want to be with a person or you don't want to live in a development that's making you sad every day or going to a job that's, you know, I had people, um, one of my offices, I never forget, I had uh, MCA and team leader that just didn't get along. And the MCA told me um, every time she sees the team leader's car, she gets sick to her stomach. For, you know, what, two years, three, however long they, they work together. But that's horrible to go to work every day and you see a car and it makes you feel sick. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and I felt like that. I was that guy. I was driving to work like, 
I don't want to do this. That was my husband. And I think men, I think we all do it, right? Where we do all these have tos because we have to pay our bills. We have to support the family. And I think, I think it's maybe a little different, maybe even for men, just because they, they're supposed to be the caregivers. They're supposed to be the breadwinners. And I think like watching my husband kind of go through this process, like, I don't want to say it's been humbling for him, but I think it's definitely changed his mindset around the men that he spends time with. Where like, it's not okay for your wife to be the breadwinner. Like, I can't believe you're just going to quit your job. He didn't just quit his job to go do nothing. He quit his job to go be happy. And I think like, there's not enough emphasis anymore on it's okay to make a decision based on your emotions, as long as all the other pieces of the puzzle are in place. Yeah, who you surround yourself matters. And, you know, I, I moved to, uh, I'm in Boca Raton, Florida now. And, um, you know, where I lived before, we weren't happy. And listen, I, I you know, I have family and stuff. And I don't, you know, I, I love my family and stuff. But I didn't, I don't know if I had great relationships there. I didn't, because I would still be there. And, you know, coming here just made me realize that, you know, a lot of people here are in similar boats, you know, they all, you know, and I'm not, listen, I've, I've done well for myself and, you know, we live in a nice community and, you know, very similar people here. Right. So we, you know, we could share about the car we purchased. We could share about the, the movie theater, the room that you're doing that you're kind of maybe hearing drilling now, um, all that stuff. And, and, uh, and there's no judgment. There's no criticism. There's a say, that's cool. And this is my wine bar, you know, whatever, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, we, we can have those dialogues without anybody feeling like you're rubbed in their face. We just, listen, I'm just sharing a win for me and something cool and they share what's win for them. And maybe there's not talk about anything, but, you know, like sometimes when you're, you know, you are the person in certain areas, it's like, you feel like you can't even enjoy your own self because it's like, am I rubbing in, in people's face? You know, I can't even pull up with my car or whatever, you know, like, so it's, it's just a, you know, uh, it's a difference when you're around the, the, your people, they, they make you feel good and important and, and vice versa. You do the same. And, uh, I know you guys know John Maxwell. Oh yeah. So I, I just went to his, uh, live to lead event, um, last week. And he said something that really stuck with me and I, I'm probably going to take it with me for forever, but he was like, you know, my dad told me that, you know, if I give 60, if I give 60 and take 40, I'm going to be all right in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that's just kind of like for me now, I, I, I love giving more than I take, you know, uh, 40 is enough, you know, and, and 60 will allow me to be a better person and do a lot of great things. So, you know, I, I think as we go through this journey, you start to learn more and you, you, you figure out what's important to you and what's not, and you don't accept anything that doesn't fit in that that bucket and like for you Jessica I think it's like uh, for you and your family it's like doesn't fit in this bucket anymore you know we can't keep doing this and and once you take the money out of it then you could be happy right I I think we let that money affect our decision making when really you you, all your lives you've made enough money to survive you're you're not going to you know you're going to be okay right but once we know that then it's like just okay let's we got a plan Let's just implement the plan. Because right? it isn't, it isn't about the money anymore. I mean, for us, it was about, you know, he worked for the railroad. He was gone all the time. He was missing every event, every football game, every baseball game. He was on call. 
that's not a way to live. Nobody wants to live like that. Nobody wants to choose that life. You can't get those days back. Correct. All those days, I don't know how old your kids are, but you know, you could just, you know, the one thing that probably would be a great exercise for you to do is just, what's your husband's name? Ian. You know, go to Ian and say, why don't we do this? Write down all the things you missed. And I will tell you some of the weirdest things that I, even when I was a trooper, you know, like Christmas time, I don't know about you guys. I, I like to be home, you know, and being with my kids and just sitting around and, you know, I couldn't say I can't go to work. I mean, it wasn't that kind of job. I mean, we were essential. So you got to go to work. Um, you know, when I was an essential personnel, when I was on the road and doing that stuff. So, you know, and then Thanksgiving, everyone's jubile and whatever. You're like, all right, guys, food's good. I got to go, you know, mm -hmm. and there you go. Off you go. So those days, you know, especially if you lost like a parent, like, you know, I lost my dad and you can't get those days back. Mm -hmm. Never good. So you, you gotta, you gotta do what makes you happy. Now, some people might like, like, you know, like the state police and the railroad and that works for them. Mm -hmm. That's what you should be doing. Cause some people don't mind leaving their family. They're like, yes, I'm getting out of the house. <laughs> that, they are the people that should do it. Right. But there right. are some people that don't want to leave and, and want to be with their family more than less. So, and I was one of them, you know, I, I would rather be, you know, the, the, the COVID hasn't hurt us as much because we like being together um, for my family. We, you know, for us, it's, it's cool. Like we spend more time together. Not a bad thing, you know. You're very brave. I think that's what everyone that listens to this will think is how brave you are. It, it's uh, like, so how would you coach someone through um, being stuck with wanting to make a big change, whatever that is, whether it's leaving a job or building a team or, um, you know, going a different avenue in their business? Like, how do you help someone that is stuck and can't get out of that stuckness? Like, you just came through the stuckness <laughs> and did it so <laughs> bravely. How do you help someone that can't get unstuck? Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to use my, my friend John Maxwell's line is, uh, good leaders ask great questions. And I, I think if you ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. Um, and it, it, it's really just like we do in recruiting, right? I mean, until I find out why, then I probably won't, won't have them with my company. And you're not going to convince someone until they figure like, why are you leaving? And then you get to the root of why they're leaving. You know, like if it's, if it's because of an employee's picking on them or they like the sick to the stomach, well, that's just, they got to get out of, they need to be away from that person. Cause you got to separate the person from the, the actual event or the actual thing that you're trying to run from. Right. Um, but once you identify, it's just, I don't want to be in this career anymore. Like, this is not what I like, you know, like, I don't know about you. I, I, when I went to college, I wanted to be an attorney and then I seen how much reading and all the stuff I had to do. I was like, Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm poli sci. Here I come. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, so I think the first thing is knowing, you know, what's the, the old saying, knowing what you don't want. What don't I want? Right. And then you can start figuring out what do I want? Um, but I, I, I don't think we can help anybody that, that's not prepared to be helped and understands like why they're doing it. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to ask really good questions or great questions to get to the bottom of what's going on in their life that is wanting them to leave this, this environment, you know, and you, you'd be, I mean, I've done this a little bit and, you'd be surprised. Like sometimes it's like, 
you know, like infidelity and they're like, you know, in this place and it's causing problems. Well, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good reason to leave, you know, but again, that's self-inflicted, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. I, you know, for me, I can't help a lot of that stuff. You know, people do behavior and cultural thing. I, I, you know, I, I can't help that. However, if it's truly like, you know, you're a school teacher and you're like, I'm broke and I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't know what to do. I feel like I can't do anything else. Then, then there's a way, you know, and there's a, you can plan for it and you could save for it and you could start to know your budget. And then you could start even for a lot of people, you could start to test what you're doing while you're there. Right. So, you know, you're a realtor, right. If, or a mortgage, you could name it, right. Appraiser, anything insurance, you know, you could do a lot of things, dual career. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my book talks about being dual career and I was dual career for what, almost 17 years, you know, uh, what, 15 years, Wow, something like that. I mean, I, you know, I've been, I've been real estate almost 22 years and a trooper, you know, I was a trooper for 17 and I've been a realtor, you know, I, I, 99, I became a trooper in 97. So almost, most of my, you know, 15 years of that time, I was a, a licensed realtor. Um, and again, it took me 15 years to leave. Uh, and I probably could have left or should have left financially in, in what the, the, you know, the, the, the heat of the market in like 2006 and seven, when it was crazy, mm-hmm. financially, I was in a good place. Um, and then obviously the market shifted, but I still could have left. You know, when did you leave? 14. 14. Okay. For a second, I thought you were going to say you left right during the downturn. And then I was like, Ooh, that would be horrible. <laughs> no, to be honest, uh, in 2000, six i was going to partner with my current brokers and open up a second office with them and then the market shifted <clears throat> and then two years three years later once you know things it was a 2011 or ish whenever four or five years whatever it was um i still had the itch to want more you know i wanted more and uh, i went back to them and i said hey guys what do you think you know i think 2010 and they were like nah, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good with this location. And then they were like giving me like, kind of like, yeah, we could do it, but you're going to do this and that. And I did, I didn't feel like it was a partnership. It felt like I was doing all the work and I was still a trooper at the time. So, <clears throat> you know, I started exploring around and, you know, end up finding Kel Williams, but, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I think everything in life is about decisions, you know, and, uh, I don't know about you guys, but any decision, you know, you should prepare and pray and have facts. And then you need to have people that you, that care about you, that you can actually bounce some ideas off of in any decision, right? I don't care if it's leaving a job or buying a sofa <laughs> for your house or whatever, or a car, or, you know, I, I mean, big purchases really, but you know, that, that stuff's a big deal. And um, I think you need to really sought out advice and thoughts before you just make big decisions. So I don't think this is any different, you know. So tell us what going in a totally different direction. What do you think there's so much chatter out there right now and you're involved in um, real estate and leadership at a really high level. So what do you think um, is going to happen to the industry over the next few years? There's so many people, I feel like, in fact, so on Tuesdays after we interview our amazing guests, we do a live coaching and training education 
on Facebook. And today we're talking about this Department of Justice lawsuit. And like, I feel like um, I've been in business 20 years and I've never seen this level of like emotional scarcity in the business ever in my life. Even during the downturn, you know, people didn't talk about the industry is going to come to a crashing halt and this company is coming for our you know, business and this company is coming for our commissions. And I just feel like everyone is in this like tremendous scarcity so much in the business right now. What do you think happens to this business in the next few years? Well, I trust one of the great minds in real estate, Gary Keller. And, um, you know, from what he tells us and from the, the data, um, it says that 2022 should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard a lot about 2023. Uh, um, I, I, I think we think it's going to be okay. Um, but if I was a gambling man, which I am, I would put, I would bet towards a very solid 2022 and I wouldn't be too aggressive in 23 is what I would say. Um, I would, you know, so you're always, usually you should be a couple quarters ahead, right? So right now you should be playing for, maybe the second quarter of next year, kind of, you know, um, behaving like that with your, with your moves and your financial decisions. And if you think about it, if this is 2022 now, I might be a lot more conservative because I know that 2023 is not as certain. So, but for me, you know, I'm buying a building right now, actually, hopefully in a couple of weeks, a big, a big commercial building and, I still been behaving in, as if this market's going to continue to do what it's going to do, because um, that's what that's what the research and data is showing me and telling me. But 2023, I'm not as certain, and I haven't heard a lot of certainty from a, a, a lot of people yet. Um, I'm I'm hearing we think maybe Q1 could be decent, um, but you know, if we had a crystal ball, we'd all be set. Right? And what I'm do you think about? real estate agents, right? Like, what do you think about all these things that are coming for the job of real estate? Do you think that real estate agents are going to go the way of the travel agent in the next five years and disappear? No, no, I don't. I, I, I think people like, it's a big purchase. I think people like, don't mind my dog. He's, 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 he's saying hi to everybody. Um, I, I think, you know, um, the, the real estate industry will, will stay. I think it'll be different. You know, I, I think it'll be different. I think the experience will be different, but I think you still are going to have a, a face-to-face interaction with your, your customer. I do. I just don't, you know, I had dinner, obviously like I'm not a sage. I don't know what's going to happen, but I had dinner with some friends of mine that are um, at the, you know, C-suite level for one of, well, the nation's biggest home builder, on Sunday night and they are having the same conversations that real estate agents are having. They're panicking that there's some shifting in their executive um, positions at the builder and their CEO is massive tech guy, right? And they're the builder that invested $150 million in open door, right? So they're very progressive and they're all panicking that they're going to be out of a job because they really think that robots are going to come in and you'll just go into the sales center and you'll, um, you know, sit down and, and pick out your floor plan and you'll, you'll do all of this. And I said to them, you know, what did you guys do today? what did you do this week? You know, and one of them said, 
Well, I had this woman who came in and she can't buy the lot that she wants because the lot premium is too high. And she cried for an hour until she calmed down and I could talk her into another lot. And the other one said, well, I had this family come in and, you know, they were crying because they were so excited that they're going to finally buy this house. And then I had another one come in who was furious because their construction is a month behind. And I said to them, you know, I can understand how technology will cross our industry significantly, probably in the next few years. But how can a robot replace any of that? I just don't see how that's possible. It's too human and too emotional for a computer to be able to do this job, in my opinion. Well, and think about it, right? Like when you book your travel through Expedia or any of these like travel companies, something goes wrong, you look up the phone number to call the person to help you. You're not logging back online to try to get help. So that's what I always equate it to. Like you can replace us to an extent, but you can't replace the whole experience with the humanity of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gary Keller gave a great analogy, like one time about technology. Um, I'm sure you guys ordered pizza before, right? And you really don't want to call to ask where the pizza is. You just want to know where it is. So for that, I agree. I don't really need to talk to anybody. Um, but there's some things like, you know, and I, my wife's a big, like, I want to see it like a couch and really see it live. Or I want someone to tell me about the fabric and, you know, kind of give me their, their opinion. That's different, right? So, you know, I, I think real estate, you know, it's a big deal. And um, you, you want to just get some input and does this going to match my kids? The backyard is going to fit what they need. And what's this neighborhood like? And a robot can't tell you all those things, you know, uh, it could give you, it can give you statistics and data, but it can't give you emotions about what's really going on there in a the neighborhood or what's really, um, does this really fit? Like, you know, we're a young couple and we you know this, would this match what we want and all this stuff. So I, I don't, I don't foresee it. You know, listen, I think it's going to, if we learn anything from Amazon mm -hmm. um, and all these other companies and Uber, it will be different. It'll have a segment of technology, but the, the, the human element, I don't think will go away. It's just wild to me, the amount of scarcity that I think, you know, like we, we were just at a mastermind in, in Phoenix and it was 30 people in the room. They were all handpicked. They're phenomenal business owners and business leaders. And that was one of the questions, you know, it was an open format. Um, tell us what you want to talk about today. And three people out of 30 in the room, I'm bad at math, so I can't tell you what percentage that is. But, you know, three out of these 30 really high level people, that was their question. Am I going to be out of business in five years? You know, and so it's just really interesting to me the level of scarcity, you know, it's funny, like, I don't, I think we have PTSD from the last recession because before that there had been recessions or things that affected housing before, but everyone didn't walk around all the time going, we're just waiting for it to crash. We're just waiting for it to crash. We got to make all the money that we can before it crashes. It's very strange, but it makes me sad that everyone's in so much scarcity right now. I'm trying to find a quote that I, that I heard the other day that was really fitting for what you just said. Um, it's funny to me because, okay, so I came up in my career with Keller, Jess yeah. is with Keller. Um, you know, like I feel like 
Keller Williams changed my life. We've talked to lots of people on the show who've said that, right? Like, because it taught us to think in abundance, which is not how I grew up at all. But then now I feel like we've like gone back in the scarcity box and it's really strange. I don't know how that happened. So to kind of go off of what you said, and I, I can't find the exact quote, but, I, but I, I think I can get a piece of it. So it was something to the effect that you know, branding and all this stuff, especially for us agents, right? Branding and everything's important, but not as important as just being good. Like if you're good, they'll find you. Mm -hmm. If you're not, they won't. And I, I think that's with any business. You know, if you give value mm -hmm. and you're good at something, you'll be fine. If it's shoddy value or if it's not a good product or it's, you're not a, you don't give a good value proposition, you won't do so well. I mean, you, you look at any business or any, even realtors, you can look at them. I mean, you know, the, you know, businesses like yours that do well, I mean, you, there's a value proposition there that people like, they want to be in business. They want to, they want to work with you guys. They, they, they feel good with your service and they continue to use your service. And then there's people not so much. Right. And there's, a, there's various reasons why, but again, they're not either, they're either not good they're not given value. They're not given a great experience. Whatever the whatever it is, there's a reason. Um, uh, you know, people mistake activities for achievement. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because they're busy and they're whatever. But really, are you successful? What's the results say? You know, what 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 does your raving fan say about you when you're not in the room? You know, that's that's the the true measure, in my opinion. I think this changes the industry for sure. I don't know how drastically, as long as Amazon stays out of it. Just kidding. Um, but I think that they are—they are trying to get in the space. You know that. I know. Right? I know. Yeah. I—it's. I mean, <clears throat> I know. Going back to that conversation with the builder, no one will ever replace the emotional connection I have with my clients and the conversations that we have. Like I don't know. It's, it's the 3 a.m. I'm panicking or it's the, you know, I made a bad decision. Like it's, it's way too emotional. I also think that I read a statistic the other day that said something like 80% of the real estate workforce right now. So all of the real estate agents in the space have been in the space less than five years. And so I think that's maybe where a lot of the scarcity comes from too, because they haven't been through any roller coasters, you know, a, a bull market, Grant Cardone says a bull market makes everyone look like a genius, right? So um, if you've been operating in a space for your whole career, two to five years where you've never had any hard things happen, and then you're confronted with all this stuff coming at you, that's scary. You've never had to work in a down market or a short sale REO market, anything like that before too. So I think that could be part of it, but it is just astounding to me. I guess I felt like real estate agents, like that space as a whole was a very like abundant minded thinking group. And now everywhere I turn, I'm like, what's going on with you guys? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I, live yeah, the 80, 20% principles allowed uh, is, is alive and well, uh, I think in most industries, um, especially the, in the real estate industry. What were you saying, Jessica? I was just saying, I think like that's the world we exist in, right? Like we exist in a world with a scarcity and fear mindset. And so if you're somebody, and I'm very much this way, you know, where you're not battling, I, I hate to use the word battle, but if you're not 
feeding your brain goodness all day long and you're not getting out of that negative scarcity place, that's where you live because that's what surrounds you all day, every day. And so you have to get into bigger conversations with bigger thinkers and read better books and listen to better podcasts and you're in control of your mindset, right? And so if you make a choice to be in scarcity, it's a choice at this point. There's too much information out there. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think, you know, number one, I've learned that um, not everybody wants to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, what I mean by that is like, I wake up every day hungry, broke, starving, um, and, and I behave like that because easily, you know, I don't know about you guys, if you're moving, like you want to take off days and you want to do all that stuff, which I should, but I don't, uh, there's a part of me that I'm like you said, I think you said it, Lindsay. I mean, it's a competitive environment now it's disruptive. And for me as a business owner, it's the time I have to shine now. Like I have to show up now and I have to be better and I have to help my leaders. And I, you know, I, I have a lot of people that count on me to be good now. Um, so it, it, I don't feel like taking off. I mean, listen, I take off weekends and all that stuff, but like right now, you know, this is the time for me to pour into people and to help and to, to be there and to be present and to be visual and to, to lead and, and to be an example. And that maybe for some people, it's what you're doing with your customers too. I mean, you need to be there and, show them and, and listen, it's a scary time just in our world, right? I mean, all the stuff going on and it might not be about money as much now because it is, there is some scaredness going on in emotions. Mm-hmm. So it might be a lot more care calls than before. And it might be a little bit of, Hey, are you okay? You know, it might not be hey, when are you, are you looking to buy or sell in the next year? It's how are you right now? You know, and then, Okay, great. Be looking to buy a cell next year. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I, I think that's the difference of even as a leader, I think, and that's where I have to be better at is, you know, you have people that, you know, I heard a horrible story um, today. Uh, my, one of my partners, uh, her son got COVID and he got it from his, one of his best friend's family who the dad had it and died. 42 years old, healthy. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, when you think about just happiness and all the tragedy going on, I mean, in, in our world, I mean, you, you got to have a little bit of, uh, of um, uh, empathy for people now. And mm-hmm. you got you to gotta be, you got to give them space and time. And, um, you know, I still like results. Don't get me wrong. Like as a leader, like, if you come into work, come into work. If you want to take off, take off. But when you come into work, I expect you to work. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're taking off, I expect you to take off. But but if you need me, I'm always here. Right? Mm-hmm. Call me, text me, email me, whatever. But uh, but I think that's the difference now is we 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 got to understand of the time we're in and and be empathetic when we need to be empathetic. Really quick before we wrap up, what is your favorite part about being a leader? What's the worst part about being a leader? That's a good question. Um, favorite part's easy. I mean, I'm just drawn to it. I'm a, I'm a student of it. Uh, if you ever come into my office in New Jersey, I have sheets 
all over. I mean, I'm in my new office now that's nothing here but boxes. Um, but it's sheets of um, me doing career visioning with people. What you just see like um, their motivation, you see their life story. And I just love seeing people achieve. And, you know, uh, you know, my world's gotten bigger because I've allowed people to get that make their world bigger in my world, right? My, my mission statement is to create incredible leaders in my world so that they can create incredible leaders in their world. Um, and, you know, that, that makes me feel good. Um, the thing I don't like about leadership is I don't like caring more than people care about, about their own mm -hmm. goals and aspirations. So, you know, and sometimes I do, right? That's, you know, that, that's probably like the sin of a leader, right? Like I can't care more than you can, but sometimes we're, you know, we're empathetic, you know, that word again, and we, we do care, but, uh, I would say, you know, once I learned that I'm caring more than them and I, it, it's in my ingrained in my mind that I'm going to separate from that. I'm going to like, Hey, you figure it out. And when you figure it out, let me know. Cause I can't want something more than you want. You know, I got enough going on. That's hard. Yeah. I'm making my husband listen to this episode when he gets home <laughs> and I'm making him read the book. I was going to say, make it the book is amazing. The book is very good. So we will on that note, link the link for the book in our show notes, but it's leaving six figures and it's really, like I said, for me personally, I've never had another job. So I've never had to leave that type of stability in my life, but I still got a ton out of that book because there are some like personal emotional things stability wise in my life that I'm working on leaving. So um, I think for anyone, like in any phase, man, woman, whatever they're going through in their life, you'll get a lot out of it. It's a lot about like following your passion and what you know in your gut is where you're supposed to be. So get the book. Thank you, John, so much for being with us. This was a big honor for us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you I had so fun. Much. You guys, you guys are awesome. I hope I, I hope you, you, uh, you and your husband do well on your journey. And uh, if Thank I can you. help, yeah. awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Angela, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top one percent of all realtors, and would love to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Connect with the Homegirls on social media at The Real Homegirls Podcast.